You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. We are your host, Emma, Sophia, and Leah. (laughs) We hope everybody's having a beautiful day. It's really hot here in Northern California. I'm really wishing that I could spend the day on the river, but I am always on call, and the river spot that I love is... um, very much out of reception. So it's funny how when you become a midwife, all these things, mundane things become, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. How are you guys? Inaccessible. Yeah, there's the word, inaccessible, like going to the river. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Yeah. I'm doing good. I'm in Oklahoma. Um, we're visiting Spencer's um, dad's side of the family. Um, we leave tomorrow to come back home. We've been here almost a week now. It's been really, really fun. The weather's been surprisingly really nice. I've never come. This is my first time, and he always tells me it's 100 degrees, 100% mm-hmm. humidity. It's pretty miserable heat-wise, um, but really only the last few days have been hot and humid which has been nice um and yesterday we went to a water park the whole day as you can see from my sunburns or at least you two can see (laughs) our listeners our listeners can just imagine (laughs) how toasted i am um but yesterday was kind of a dream come true for me when when i was pregnant the first time spencer and i used to chat about what we'd want to do with our children as they got older, like the things that we were looking forward to. And a big one for me was water parks because I just loved water parks as a kid. It's so fun. And um, yesterday we took the kids ages uh, six and four to a water park here. And we were there from noon to five and we just had the best time. I can't stop smiling about it. And my kids were so brave. I expected it from Benjamin, um, but Gracie, the first one we were in line for, she was like, I don't know. I don't want to do it. And I was so nervous Mm. that she wouldn't try it, you know, just give it a shot. Um, And I was even more nervous that she would try it and she would hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we got on, we had our own little tube and I held on to hers and um, we went down these little waterfalls together and she had so much fun. And then the second one we went on was a closed tube one. Mm-hmm. And um, I went down holding on to Ben's tube and her and Spencer went together. And when when Ben and I went first, at the end, I was like, 
oh my God, she's going to lose her shit. Like it was in the dark and it was so fast and we were like going up the wall. It was so fun, but I was like, she's going to come out crying. Oh no. And she came out laughing so hard. And that was just the end of it. We, we went on these really tall water slides and it was so fun and I was so proud of them even at the top Spencer was like I don't know about this like I just keep thinking of the kids falling off I was like don't think about it don't think about it (laughs) Um, but it was really 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 fun and they were like again more 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 and floating down the lazy river together and yeah it was just it was just so great um so that was the highlight of my week um yeah we got stuck in that um doesn't Gracie like to be scared a little bit like she likes she to watch does she does she's very yeah she's very hesitant like it takes it takes some like convincing but she always really has fun I was just really worried that right off the bat she would just hate it and we'd be like okay great <laughs> now what um yeah so it was a blast and getting here was a challenge we got stuck in the American airline cancellations and delay of flights. And so our flight got canceled when we got to Dallas to get to Oklahoma. And luckily Spencer was just on top of it. If we had done my idea, which was get in the line with the hundreds of people who also had their flight canceled, we would probably still be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just like got on the phone, got in line, got us a rental car. We drove three hours to get here. Um, I was really grateful for his like, get going attitude and just like take care of business, especially because he was hungry and normally he doesn't function well in that environment. (laughs) The pictures were so cute from your whole trip that I've seen so far on social media. The ones with the kids in the rental car. Yeah. The family, (laughs) the family trip. It was, it was really fun. So today is our kind of calm rest day before we head home tomorrow so we don't have any crazy plans today just recover my kids are if you can hear them barking at the door I locked (laughs) how was your week Leah my week was was great it was it was kind of tiring but that's all right it was all good stuff the like perpetual move um updates but I'm in I love my new house so much. I'm sitting in the garden right now. Um, if you hear construction, that's why. Um, my new place is is in town. It's definitely more central than my last one. So it's interesting. I feel like I'm a little more part of like the world now. I'm not so isolated, but it includes um, construction. But yeah, it's just putting things in their place and um, settling in my my oldest baby turned 13 on the 6th, which is crazy. Oh, that, that's um, a big... My June, my June bug. Yeah. Yeah, I have a teenager. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful and brightening and all of the things. But, um, but yeah, I talked to them on that day and they were in Italy, actually. They're in Europe right now with their dad, who's um, from Germany. And they were in Italy for a day. So, yeah. So it's just, you know, talk to them. Talk to my 13-year-old. She's walking the streets of Italy on her birthday. So it's hard to, hard yeah. to be in a bad mood when you're picturing that. Um, 
so yeah, no, things are good. I'm just kind of settling into the day. I saw a mama that's due yesterday and she's beautiful and transitioning into that like shimmery oxytocin last few week glow and just really like sitting in that unknown of waiting for labor and so that's always awesome and um, yeah that's it that's me how about you Emma you've had a crazy week (laughs) oh man yeah I've I'm like really yeah my adrenals are feeling it this week um yeah the podcast is coming out a day late because I was in charge of putting it out this week and I went to two really long, pretty challenging births. Um, it was funny, I was driving to the first birth um, with my precept, one of my preceptors and she, we were joking around and I said, you know, all the births we've been to have been really easy and short. And um, she's like, oh, no, 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 like, no. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> And I just kind of laughed it off and holy night, man. It was, oh gosh. Yeah. So I was like, words are spells. Um, yeah. <laughs> the next two births were like the births where you have to use every skill that you have and you throw like everything you're like having to do all the maneuvers. Like very, I'm like, I was sitting there thinking like, how would this be? a hands-off birth like is there a way that this could have been like I don't you know I don't know I don't think that there could have been I really don't and um I learned a lot thank goodness I'm learning at a very quick pace these days which is good um and now I'm kind of just um, easing into turning 31 next week. That went by really fast. I would just, I literally just turned 30 and now I'm like, okay, this is how the thirties work. You blink and then it just goes by. And um, I'm gonna go to Yellowstone with my family and take a break mm. and look at some geysers and animals and read a book and do nothing. And that feels really good. So, yeah. That sounds so amazing. Is it the first time that you've gone there or is yeah, it something never. you guys have done in the past? No, I've never oh. been. I also have really bad arthritis. And so the idea of driving through three states is really exciting for my wife because she loves that stuff. But for me, I'm like sitting in the car. <laughs> oh my gosh, for three states, that does not sound like fun. But it'll be fun. <laughs> How long is the drive? I think it's like 19 hours. Sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. call yeah. your yoga certified practice mate and I'll give you some stretches on the road. Yes. There you go. Your arthritis. Yes, please. Yeah, it really affects my back. Um, but we decided that we're bringing one of our um the cousins in our family um to join. Uh, the trip and that'll be good because then we won't have to be the complete source of entertainment for my daughter even though she's like 12 she's still like okay I'm over it are we we're, we're done now so that gets old so be two kids and they can just watch movies and zone out great yeah. Yeah. cool
so fun. Well, I'm bummed that I missed this interview with Lisa, but in some ways I'm really, really excited because I get to hear it. Like it is brand new. Like I'm just listening <laughs> to our podcast and I'm just a regular old listener. So <laughs> when you get your shit together, Emma, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding on such a deep level. It's not even funny because I a, don't know how to put out the podcast. Oh yeah. And um, have been by far the least productive person, even though I moved out of the three of us. So. Dinging. I hope you guys can hear that. Um, oh, this is a side note that we can cut out or keep in either way. But I think we all need to get pagers for the practice. I used to have a pager and it was from get reception and it's really nice to just have a pager and then we can name them and put rhinestones on them. Right. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. So and it's it's very affordable. And you know, it's funny because it's like older technology is actually uh, more reliable sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like it would work at the beach or like if I was at dinner or something, I could just like put my phone away and turn it off and then just have my pager. Mm -hmm. And that way I knew, and I know like, Sophia, you're good at this stuff where you can like program your phone so that it only rings if this person or that person or whatever. But it was just nice to like have my phone be like really like off, like away from my body and just know that it would, you know, if I was really needed, that's what would happen. So anyway. That's cool. Yeah. I've noticed. So I I, I recently just got an Apple watch and it's been pretty cool because I can put my phone away and then if I get a message, it shows mm. up on my wrist. So that's really cool. The downside of it is it asked me when I was <laughs> programming it, it was like, what are your fitness goals? And I'm like, oh, this is great. It's going to calculate my steps. Like, this is good. And so I put in like general, like, you know, fitness goals. And so I'll be sitting in the car or sitting in a prenatal and it will like, it'll be like, time to stand. <laughs> I'm like, I can't stand. Time to move around. You haven't moved around. Time to stand. Get up. <laughs> like, oh my God. Stop yelling. Like and then it'll be like, you did not art. do your fitness goal today. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend who gave me an Apple watch that someone gave him he was like re-gifting and it was obvious because it was like a man-sized watch and I just got it would it irritated me because I felt like I was like more connected to the world and you know what I mean like I didn't want to yeah see see messages even easier but yeah fitness goals would have irritated me <laughs> Time up, them, so. um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say I, when I did well, this, something to think about, yeah. Um, when I did this last birth yesterday, uh, I got this dun da 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 at the end of the day, it's like, you did your fitness goals. So I, in all that time, all the steps of running around that birth, I'm like, oh, okay. So that's what it takes to do. Oh, wow. Well, I can't do that every day. I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh my Counterpoint, God. change your fitness goals to be almost nothing. And then every day at the end of the day, you can get a message that's like, da, da, da. <laughs> you are, are amazing. Really I'm, gonna, I'm actually totally going to do that if I ever get an Apple Watch. <laughs> congratulate myself for like standing. And then if it doesn't, it's like a really special sign. But 
you did not leave bed today. <laughs> you really need to get a life. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm, not an issue with midwives to a parent. I feel like I haven't seen you ladies in so long. So I good to see faces. We need to get together and do a podcast in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys have to come to my new house next week. It's required. I would love to do that. I will I will give you food. We will go get fun stuff in town. It's a really fun little town where I live. There's like lots of really sweet little cafes and stores and it's like it's really great. So I'm excited for if you guys yeah, you know, start doing in-person office days. They would be very fun, and it's also at some point down the road a good place to do like um, they have all kinds of festivals, and um, they have a farmers market and stuff. I was thinking of doing some like info booth stuff too, but that's a whole other thing we can talk about. Oh yeah, that's okay. Um, but yeah, side note. Yeah, that's okay. Anyway, um, well, well, I'm back to my. <laughs> yeah well enjoy the last day and emma when are you leaving for yellowstone the 17th the 17th okay so for, for a little while mm-hmm. emma maybe you and i can hang out yeah too without our children even though our children are so deeply in love with after hanging out i know i feel like it's like sacrilegious to hang out without them. It's so <laughs> funny. Anyway, she like does her makeup like like your child now. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Okay, well, I love you guys. I'll love talk to you. Too. I am excited about podcast. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited too. So you guys, this is a. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll see you next week. Stay wild. My Today we have a really special guest on the pod. She's one of my dear friends. She's been a midwife for many, many years. She's an advocate for survivors and processes birth trauma with folks. Uh, this is Lisa Rawson. I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. Hi. Lisa. Hi. Thank you for having me. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about how your journey started. We like to let our guests introduce themselves on the podcast. So just give us a little bit of um, backstory of who you are. Okay. I'll try to be brief. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many layers there. (laughs) Um, I'll start um, when I was 16, I got pregnant um, with my oldest daughter, Athena. She's now 28 almost. This July 3rd, she'll be 28. And um, that was a really interesting uh, process. I ended up being on my own. And um, so I had her, I had turned 17 about a month before I had her. And then um, things did not go the way that they had planned, and we can do a different topic on that. Um, But then I found myself a single mom living alone with no family support. And I um, used every 
service known to the Washington state system and Catholic system. And I'm, I'm not Catholic, but they do help single mothers quite a bit. And um, then decided that, I think I was about 19. Yeah, I was 19 and I decided, you know what, I should probably go to college. So I had kind of, you know, had some different jobs and had saved a little money and um, was doing okay. And it was just her and I and decided, yeah, I should go to college. I should figure out what I'm going to do as a career. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went to the Seattle Central Community College and just did basic studies to get federal financial aid. Um, I needed 12 credits to get full aid, which I needed. So I took a two credit course in women's studies. And what we did is we had women who came in and spoke on Fridays, and then we would write a little two page paper on that subject. I learned about a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that I learned about was the Seattle Midwifery School, mm. which was, um, it was in the um, district that was, I was in the Broadway district of Seattle and it was down south a little bit um, in White Central Beacon Hill district. And um, it was above, it was just a small school at the time. It was above El Centro de la Raza. And um, I think that, that that space is still being used for Spanish families for resources. Um, Seattle Midwifery School quickly grew out of that space eventually became part of Bastyr and is now just the Bastyr program for um, midwifery. Well, a midwife came from there and she talked about how midwives support the growth of families and that family can look many, many different ways. It, and she said, you know, in her family that she was a single mom and that so that a single mom could be a family mm -hmm. and um, it could also be a family of many different like polyamorous families. It's a really progressive area of Seattle and Seattle's already progressive. So, um, <laughs> so it's pretty progressive. And um, what struck me was that she was talking about the empowerment process and that the empowerment process is that when you you can't do things for other people you can stand next to them and you can help them in ways of support um, but through that process um, you know empowering families then they become empowered to raise their children in the way that um, they see fit and it's not like um, this just one size fits all kind of program and i thought that's absolutely fascinating mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of doing that. Um, and so I went to the Seattle Midwifery School and I started volunteering. I would bring my daughter with me. I would watch the babies and the kids of the midwives who were teaching classes and I would listen to them and have lunch with them. And then I did Penny Simpkins doula course that she was holding there. And then I became a certified doula and then I did a volunteer doula ship. Um, it's like a volunteer program at a downtown hospital. So I got to see lots of different births. Yeah. A lot of people didn't speak English. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, because it was a, 
a community-based hospital, you just like the scope of patients, clients was vast. And I didn't know them until I came into their birth space. They would ask for a doula and then you would come into their birth space. Um, and then I was doing my prerequisites to go to a midwifery school and I got accepted and was going to go. And then, um, I met my husband very unexpectedly, um, very unexpectedly. Um, and, um, I just thought, you know, we'll just take a pause and be a small family. And he had gotten done with his college or his first degree. And, um, then I found that I was having my own babies and I hired midwives. And so, because I didn't want to be on call and I didn't want to like buckle down and do schoolwork at the same time, I just wanted to be a mother. We homeschooled, we lived rurally, we lived on an island. Um, I was just really engaging in that, um, helped with some nonprofits for homeschooling, those kinds of things. So I became a, um, a lactation consultant, a certified lactation consultant, was doing that, worked for WIC for a little while, did postpartum doula training, was postpartum doula. I would go to births here and there as I could, mm -hmm. um, sometimes bringing my um, children with me when my oldest daughter got old enough to watch them. So my daughter has been to births with me yeah. in that capacity. And, um, and then, um, was practicing kind of just non-licensed and doing traditional stuff and um, was just kind of moving through my path. And um, I've had many miscarriages. So uh, I, I have five birth children um, and I've, I've had um, 11 or not 11, but I've had 12 pregnancies um, and so so yeah, a lot of miscarriages and um, I helped my husband with his business at that time. So I really learned how to like manage a business, paperwork. I'm like kind of detail oriented. Which is and so important for a midwife. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I left school being like, now what? I yeah, I just had you know? no idea. So, um, so yeah, then um, we lived on an island in the Puget Sound for about 10 years little older or a little more maybe 11 years something like that in 2008 we moved to northern california we did a family road trip across the country and this place kind of picked us mm -hmm. and um and then decided i realized that i was living in a california and i should probably get licensed mm -hmm. if because you were are we allowed to discuss that that you were doing I think you said that you would agree on license mm -hmm. on the island. Yeah, so, so, um, I mean, you guys can, you know, um, so, but what I said earlier is, you know, yes. So I kind of, you know, I kind of, I kind of own, I kind of own my shit and realize that someday, can I say shit? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, so, uh, and realize that, you know, I might get in trouble and, um, and I'm a big girl and I just like, that's, that's the choice that I make is yeah. like, that's how I approach it. So I um, became licensed. I quickly realized that the California Challenge Program was going to become obsolete, which it's come back now, which is great, but I, who knew, right? Who knew right. if it would come back or not? 
So I did my California challenge um, in 16 months. And um, while I had, um, while I had five children, um, my youngest was two and a half. And there's 17 years between my oldest and my youngest. And then at the time, we also had two of our adopted children in the house. So I had seven children in the house. Um, kudos to my husband. Yes. <laughs> Chose the right one to be a midwife's yes. husband. Yes. We're still together 25 years later. Yes. And that's so, not super common. <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, got through that process and started my, you know, started my, uh, I guess you call business here in Mendocino County. And I was pretty busy right off the bat. I mean, I had lived here for a little while. I had kids in the school system and I also had kids who I was homeschooling and I had been helping, um, assisting midwives who were working this area. Um, at that time that I got licensed, there were only two other practicing midwives who had also just recently moved here. Yeah. Um, and um, people would come here, but you know, um, you know, we're kind of a rural county. So I don't know, it just, it seemed the timing, like everything that I had done before, um, going to births, having my own babies, um, you know, cause I, I, had, I had been to a little over a hundred doula births and then I had done somewhere around 50 doula births um, that were out of the hospital. And then I attended several hundred births um, besides that. So, and then, you know, my licensing process. Um, and having your own children and your own birth experiences, that have been very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. Plays a big part uh -huh. too. Yes, I definitely, yeah. Um, yes. So, um, I, by the time I got licensed, it just fell into place. Like I had already done breastfeeding stuff, lactation stuff, nutrition stuff. I had already been with families postpartum. I had already been with families as a doula, as an assistant, as a midwife. I had worked with several different midwives, including unlicensed, licensed, and CNM home birth midwives, um, which is kind of a rarity. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just kind of fell right into place. Um, things just kind of moved forward. And I got my license uh, in California and my CPM in 2014. Um, and I believe it was the last California Challenge license before they reopened it. The, the deadline was January 1st, or rather December 31st, 2014. And I received mine December 17th. Wow. I'd be curious to know if there was somebody else who received yeah. it yeah, later, but um, they sent me a little note saying this is the last one, oh, which uh, I thought was that, really interesting. That is, yeah. 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 But, you know, sometimes people get their stuff in together or something happens and because mm -hmm. they were going on vacation. So, like, they give you this deadline, the medical board of December 31st, and then they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to go on vacation for the holidays, I'm you know, on the 20th. Early. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> It was really um, interesting. Um, so yeah, I did that, opened my practice, um, you know, having two babies on the island. And then I only, only one of my children has been born here. Um, yeah. He was born in Hopland. My first daughter was born in the hospital. Um, my, my best friend's mother was the lead labor and delivery nurse at that time. Wow. And so she was there at my birth, nice. which was special. And um, 
And I remember just walking around, just walking around in circles in the hospital and then had her. It, I mean, it was really, I didn't grow up in an environment where birth was scary. My mom's a Swedish immigrant. So I think that played a part in it, um, that it just, it wasn't something that it was told to me that our bodies can't do. It was yeah. like, this is just what you do. And yeah. it's not, you know, yeah. it's work. And when you're ready, you'll do it. Yeah. That's kind of the way it was, it was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So the first so. was pretty smooth and straightforward. Yeah. Emma mm -hmm. kind of mentioned about how unique your births were. were. Were there any others that you wanted to like touch on? Or? Yeah, I mean, my second was pretty quick and fast and furious. Um, it was four hours, pretty much start to finish. I mean, I think I knew earlier. I mean, I did, but I just kind of put it off. Mm -hmm. um, I had some other complications in that pregnancy, um, but my midwife was really lovely, Kim Riano. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget her. Um, what kind of complications? Um, during... Um, my pregnancy had hyperemesis really bad oh, my God. like really, bad. really awful and i had my whole pregnancy mm -hmm. and um i was a skinny girl back then now i'm nice and full and um i um so i just yeah it, i mean it had nothing to do with my weight or anything but i just losing weight was not great yeah. um so that was very challenging. Food was an issue for me. I could not keep food down. I couldn't keep hydrated. I spent, I remember being, um, so my, my second, my first daughter, she was born past 42 weeks, which 28 years ago was not a big deal. Yeah. Um, it was like, okay, you know, let's, you know, maybe monitor baby a little bit. And as long as baby's moving and it was, it, I just don't remember it being a big deal. Right. Um, and then, and then she was born covered in vernix. So obviously, you know, I was 16. Yeah. Like, really, do I know my LMP? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even know I was pregnant for two and a half months. So, you know, like, let's get real here. You know, so, um, you know, we get distracted, whatever. So um, my second one was born on his due date. So it was my third and my fourth. Um, and so he came pretty quick, Druid, my, my oldest son. And then um, Leif came next and his birth was long and, and um, it was long. And Druid ended up, even though I had hyperemesis, he was seven and a half pounds, he's a totally healthy baby. Uh, the babies um, take it all. You're, yeah. You're the one that suffers. Totally, yeah. yeah. My body just took the hit and was like, I ate a tub of cottage cheese with that, that kid every day. I was like, it, cottage cheese saved my life. It was like, I, I'm like, he does. He loves, yeah. Although he really doesn't like eating animal products. So, but cottage cheese is his, it's his uh, kryptonite. So, um, yeah. And then Leif's birth was, I had, he was my first baby I had on the island and um, it was a two day adventure. And Kim, she came, um, she came to that birth. We had moved. My husband had graduated from Evergreen State College. I was due in like two months, I think. And, um, and we found this place on the island and we wanted to live on the island. And I remember asking her like crying, like, would you, will you come, will you come to my birth? I, you know, I just, 
I was attached to her. She was so lovely. And I had gone with her to some other birds. And like, so I just had this bond with her. And she told me, I will go to you wherever you need me to go to birth your baby, if that's what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. And it just really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, and now as a rural midwife, yeah. It's like your motto. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. all right, mm -hmm. you know, so it kind of set me up. And then um, Leif's birth, Leif was born, um, his birth was very long, um, but he's classic OP presentation. He, I got stuck at six, um, my midwife had me have a glass of wine, I slept snoring for six strong hours, wow. woke up, had breakfast, and as soon as I was done with breakfast, had a glass of water, um, and as soon as I got up to go out to our blueberry patch in the pond, my contractions hit me like crazy. And he was born face up with his hand across his body in, his, in the call. Wow. Um, and Athena was like right there watching the whole thing. It was like, she, so I would look down and I would see my midwife's face and Athena's face. Aww. It was very sweet. Um, my husband was a little traumatized, I will say. It was a very long mm -hmm. pushing phase. Mm -hmm. um, and he was kind of stuck behind me. So I don't think he really could see or knew what was going on, the progress or anything. And it's kind of um, shocking, I think, too, when you have you have quick births and yeah. then something is taking a while. You're yes. Like, wrong. Wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I asked her that. I would look at her and I would say, what the fuck is wrong? Mm -hmm. and, is is this okay like what it and she was just steady she was like it's okay he's just coming down in his own way but you're making progress keep pushing you're doing well um and she never was like oh, i can see head or i can see she just that was like her words and Emma's gone to birth with me and she knows that that's kind of like my style. I totally forgot to say in your intro that you're my preceptor too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. I didn't even get yeah. that. <laughs> well, we had like a conversation about that the other day where I told Emma, I said, you know, it's like, I don't want to call you my student. If that's like some sort of ownership, you're a student of midwifery. <laughs> like that's like, you're a student of midwifery and you're not like, you know, mm -hmm. but anyways, um, like autonomy is a really big thing for me. And so then with Flora May, um, I had met the midwife who lived on the island and um, she was my, my midwife for Flora May. And Flora May, um, Adam actually caught her. Um, and that birth was relatively quick as well. Although I will say that I had, I had labor starting at like 34, 35 weeks. And by the time I was like 37 weeks, I was like walking around at three centimeters. Then I was four centimeters. Um, and I asked her to check me, um, which is really rare for me. That's not something that I normally do. And so, you know, for all you listening out there, you know, dilation is not a sign of imminent labor or progress. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a really good lesson in that birth story. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, when I was a student, yeah. um, my preceptor had checked someone and she was six centimeters. It was her third baby and mm -hmm. she didn't have her baby for two weeks. And it was really yeah. fast when it happened. Yeah. When it happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when Flora May decided it was her day, um, she came 
quite quickly. I think three and a half, four hours, something like that. Um, and Adam caught her and she was super wrapped in her cord and um, I wasn't watching because I was kind of bent over the bed and Adam, my husband and my midwife were behind me. And I guess, you know, she, he was catching her and then the midwife just kind of put her hand underneath and just kind of unwrapped it mm -hmm. and he continued to catch her, which was really sweet. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, and then I was not going to have any more kids after that. Um, I was like, we're good. Two girls, two boys, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Honor J, my youngest, um, he had other plans. <laughs> What's the age gap between the last two? It's about the same as my first two. The first two is six and a half years, and I think they're five. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I just ended up ovulating really early. Well, actually, what happened was I was spotting then in my cycle, and I thought, oh, we're totally fine. Well, you know, my body was like, oh, sperm, throw out an egg. Let's get pregnant again. And I did. And then, um, and he was actually the only one that was before his due date with that same with my husband. Okay. Um, so if you take that into account, he actually was born on his due date, yeah. which is really strange mm -hmm. for babies and their expected dates. Yeah, it's very It's like very, very weird. Um, very, very strange. You mentioned a lot of losses. How were those like sparkled in between? Yeah, so, um, well, I had an abortion in between Athena and Druid. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think Athena was a year old maybe yeah right around a year and then um there's druid leif um in between leif and flora may i had an ectopic pregnancy uh, while i was living on the island and survived that um and then because it ruptured and i was home alone with my children and um he was before cell phones so, so was adam was at work on the island and what happened? You just started having like abdominal pain. I had, I knew I was pregnant and I knew something was quite off and I wasn't feeling well. And I thought, oh, great, here comes the hyperemesis. This one's going to be a doozy. How long would you, how um, far along would you have been? Are you guessing? I was seven weeks. Okay. So it's pretty far along. Mm -hmm. um, normally, ectopics are like around five weeks mm -hmm. when they burst. Um, or people start to feel, so I was, I was further along. I mean, I know it only sounds like two weeks, but in the embryonic stage, it's quite a bit um, of growth. And um, I wasn't feeling well. I was doing housework. I uh, Leif was taking a nap and I asked Athena if she would um, check on him. And when she came back down, I was, I had a sudden horrible, pain and sickness and it was kind of full body it definitely resonated from my lower pelvic area but it was so sudden and strong i it just was kind of and shot up into my shoulders mm -hmm. super classic right looking back it's like oh of course yeah. um at the time i just didn't know i crawled up the stairs crawled into bed next to leif because i wanted to be close to my baby mm -hmm. and um Next thing I knew, Adam was lifting me out of the bed. Um, my daughter had gone and um, gone to the neighbors who was an elderly woman. Uh, we lived on a property with two houses and um, she had called her son and 
he somehow knew where Adam was working or something. Why did your daughter go to the neighbor? What was happening? I couldn't there? wake up. Oh, she was trying to wake you up. Mm -hmm. I couldn't wake up. Mm -hmm. Leif, had, Leif had woken up from his nap and was mm -hmm. crying. And we lived, it was like upstairs and then there was a balcony. Mm -hmm. And Leif was like my child that like just climbs everything and has had injuries. And so, um, and so we had a gate up and he was crying and she came up and she couldn't wake me up. Mm -hmm. And, and evidently I had like no color. Um, so she just knew um, yeah. something was wrong. And so Adam put me in the car, the kids were in the car. Uh, we went down to the family doc. There's like a small clinic, but no hospital on the island, no bridges, um, none of that. Um, and he said, she's losing blood. She have to get to the hospital. I don't remember very much of anything other than that. I remember um, being in the hospital. Next thing I remember, I woke up in a wheelchair and uh, there was doctors around asking my husband questions. My in-laws were there with the kids. But you know how, did, was it a helicopter or a ferry? Like how did they- I was the ferry. ferry. I'm pretty off. sure, okay. yeah, the ferry, which is astounding because yeah. normally they helipad people um and the ferries can take forever and then right. it's like city traffic it's mm -hmm. like what the hell you know yeah so um yeah do you know the time frame like from when like how long it took you to get to the hospital I, an hour and a half I bet, yeah yeah maybe two hours mm -hmm. until i was sitting in that chair um wow. and that i don't know how much time went by until my husband got there at home so my estimation is that it was sometime between when it happened and when I was woke up in the hospital in that wheelchair is four hours. Yeah. And, um, and I woke up and I was like, what are we doing here? And was coherent and like, I was groggy and not feeling well. Um, and, uh, everybody was surprised that I was talking and, um, I didn't really, wasn't really able to answer very many questions. Um, and my pregnancy test came back positive, which, you know, my husband already knew that I was pregnant, but they have to do their stuff. And so I remember the doctor saying, I think you've had an ectopic pregnancy. Your hemoglobin is below nine. It's somewhere like 8.2 and which is quite low. Normally I, you know, I'm a healthy person. I, yeah. you know, and so, um, he's like in, I think you're internally bleeding. So then I remember I was put on a bed and I was in the elevator going up for surgery. The surgeon, um, one of the helpers, uh, was asking me these questions about do not resuscitate and things. My husband was in there signing papers. Um, and then I remember waking up, um, and I guess it was, uh, like a day later, day and a half later, I woke up in the hospital bed. Oh my gosh. And um, I lost my right ovarian tube. Mm -hmm. um, what they think happened is that the baby, either the placenta implanted in my tube and the baby made it in or vice versa. So like, that's why it grew, it grew to seven, yeah. seven and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, and so therefore when it burst, it actually burst the tube came off the uterine wall. And then, so there's like some, um, you know, scarring there, some mm -hmm. stitches there. Um, and that 
the doctor said to me at my four week visit, she said, it's a really good thing that you're really healthy because all of that blood that was inside of you, it just clotted and it occluded, it stopped, it pushed up against where it was bleeding and stopped it from bleeding. Wow. And I was like, okay, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. So and she said, and you only have one tube now. And I said, okay. And she said, and, um, and then later, actually for many years, I suffered on my right side um, from pain during, before my menstrual cycle and then during it, because um, what had happened was some of those um, epithelial endometrial cells came out and implanted um, on like my yeah. intestinal lining. Yeah. And so they would slough off um, every month. Um, just like everything else and they're yeah. just doing their job you know yeah. they're like okay i guess this is where we live now yeah <laughs> um yeah that, so that was um not endometriosis maybe um but endometriosis i i guess technically yes but it's not from normal causes it's from trauma yeah yeah so then i got pregnant with Flora May. Um, oh no, I had one more miscarriage in between those. Um, and wasn't Adam like really scared to even want to have more kids after that? Because you're almost died. Yeah, I mean, you know, when your wife almost dies, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. I think he was a little. I mean, the chances, statistically speaking, and we can talk about on a different show, like what that means about how you read statistics and what that actually means. But statistically speaking, my chance of having an ectopic pregnancy again went up to like 32% or yeah. something like wow. that. Um, and I had already had miscarriages. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, now you're in the 50-50 category, basically. Yeah. Were you doing anything like, okay. Preventative, but like uh, for future pregnancies, like early ultrasounds to confirm placement or anything like that. Yes, so that was. I'm not really medically inclined for my own care, um, but that is something that I I yeah, did yeah. from from then on. Yeah, mm -hmm, from then on, and um, and that was my own choice. Nobody asked me to do that. That was just my own peace of mind. Um, so then I had another miscarriage. Um, it was a a regular miscarriage. Um, and then after Flora May, I had a few. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So mm -hmm. at what point, how old was your youngest? Your youngest was already born when you started, like you got licensed and started up your practice. Remind me again. He was two and a half. So he was born in 2010. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, yeah. So I think he was like almost three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was, I just, the timing was really right. You know, like if you look back in your life, like uh, if you look back in, I see in, in my life and many and many of my friends' lives, like the serendipity of the process. And it's like, um, you know, by the time it took me a long time to get licensed and really like have all the bells and whistles, which I, you know, I think the more that for me, the more the more that I have them, the less I use them. <laughs> okay. um, but it's like, um, the thing is, is like, it, it just was seamless. Mm -hmm. Like the business aspect of it and the advertising part of it, the, yeah, all of that stuff. So um, it, it just was pretty seamless. And, um, and that I remember being frustrated as a mom having to wait, you know, yeah. um, I remember being frustrated 
you know, being home alone, homeschooling. My husband was building his business, so he would work long hours. And um, just being, even though we lived in a beautiful farmhouse with a pond and a homeschool group and things like that, you know, the weight of, the weight of um, waiting to be to do your who I am, yeah, as separate as not just a mother, yeah, you know, sure. yeah. can be, um, can be heavy and Sometimes you can have days of impending doom. Oh <laughs> yeah. This is never going to end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I ever get to, you know, so, when is it my but I will say that, that, that they do get older, time goes by, you do miss them. And, yeah. you know, I have children who don't live in my home anymore and I miss them and I, um, yeah, so. Well, I'm super curious to ask you a little bit about your practice being so rural because mm -hmm. that's not my experience. We're usually pretty close to a hospital. Right. And that mm -hmm. piece is really interesting to me. Um, like just what it, what is it like being hours and hours away from a hospital in terms of like how you practice or what transport could look mm -hmm. like. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, cause that's just not really a huge factor for my practice for the most right. part. Mm -hmm. So I just love for you to touch on anything about that. Um, yeah, well, when I started, so having my babies on the island and then honors birth, my last one, which was a doozy as well, um, for other reasons was in Hopland. So that's like 20 minutes from the hospital and it's a rural hospital. It's actually the hospital that is in my community. Um, I don't, I don't know me. I don't know where, I don't know why, but, um, being far from a hospital doesn't scare me. Mm -hmm. It's just something that, um, I feel like if you have an emergency, a true emergency, you know, if you're in the city traffic mm -hmm. in our area, you can live in town and there's a lack of um, ambulances and 911 services. Mm -hmm. So they still might not even have somebody to come. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you know, no, no, um, how do I say no disrespect, but EMTs, helicopter EMTs, they're not trained in what what I'm dealing with. They're yeah. not really trained in birth or retained placentas or how much time or right. um, what to do or um, so really I see them more of a transport vehicle than yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, They're usually like we really love what you're doing just keep doing it. Right. <laughs> Let's go. Mm -hmm. So for me in my mind I'm like can I get there faster than an ambulance can get me there mm -hmm. and um, usually the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's something that, um, like a retained placenta, that's really just not coming and I can tell it's not coming and the mom is suffering and the pulse is doing all these things and, um, then, then it's a helicopter transport. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's the rare occasion that somebody's water breaks at 28 weeks, mm -hmm. but even our hospital here transports those to the city. So, um, so I, I feel like there's some, sometimes somewhat of an illusion, even in the hospital. Okay. So like, let's talk about the hospital setting, you know, like what they see as an emergency, I often do not see as an emergency. I just see it as something to be, um, 
to be assessed and to be dealt with and then to to do and deal you know like if you have a a shoulder dystocia well she's not going to be on her back first of all yeah you know and so you know you're going to get her on these all these different positions and things like that and you can tell if a baby needs help getting up or just position change yeah. so um i i think that there is an illusion just like i think that with testing like okay we're going to do all this genetic testing we're going to do all these ultrasounds and then that'll make sure that our baby doesn't have anything quote wrong with it and then your baby's born and it has something wrong with it it's like it there is this um there is this illusion of that so i i don't really have um my practice doesn't change much other than the fact of like distance you know and travel um moms who are way out and they're having long long births and their vitals are fine and their babies are fine but they want pain meds um i always like feel for them mm -hmm. because it's gonna be a long bumpy ride yeah. um and then depending upon which hospital we go to some of them are ready when we get there and some of them are not yeah. um so i kind of my heart breaks for them like just for what they're feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, you know, I do carry all the stuff, carry all the meds and the oxygen and the resuscitation. And um, I, I suture really well. I, uh, you know, deal with hemorrhages really well. I deal with dystocias really well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the the ones that are truly in need of something, you can kind of tell. Yeah, um, there's some red flags going on. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't really have much of a a fear. I mean, I don't I don't really know if my practice would change. I have clients who live in town too. Mm -hmm. They live in town. I practice the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> practice doesn't change. It doesn't change. Yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't. I think it's just that some people they're not comfortable being far out right. and if you're not comfortable being far out then you shouldn't practice far out mm -hmm. um yeah. like if you're not comfortable doing home birth you probably shouldn't mm -hmm. if you're only comfortable in a birth center you should probably stay there right. you know because the fear factor and the decision making process that comes in with that mm -hmm. can disrupt things or make something seem like it is what it isn't right. and um yeah like the fear of so, what could happen you know and having that drive decisions. Right. Yeah. I mean, what I think to myself is it could all happen at yes. any birth, anywhere, yeah. Yeah. in the hospital, yeah. in the birth center, in a home birth in town next to the hospital, in a rural birth, it could all happen. All of it could happen. Yeah. I think it's so you good know? For, for people to hear though, especially like if any families are listening because you know, again, I don't usually, I don't find myself far from hospitals, but occasionally there is somebody and it, it'll be like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour or mm -hmm. something like that. And that is one of the questions that they have, like, is that too far away, you know, mm -hmm. to, to feel safe. Yeah. Um, so it's, what is like mm -hmm. the farthest you've been from a hospital? Well, on the island, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty far. Um, but, um, you know, here in Mendocino and Lake County, I'd say two and a half hours mm -hmm. for a drive, mm -hmm. you yeah, know, in the snow, maybe three. Oh my God, I didn't even consider snow. There's also fog. <laughs> yeah. So in, in this area, you know, we deal with snow, elevation changes, mm -hmm. fog, 
Um, I mean, just heat, fog. Fog, I think, is the worst. I almost went off the road. Fog is awful. Yeah, it's really horrible. And in this area, we deal with like massive ganja grows, and you're up on Murder Mountain, and like oh, sure. there's a locked gate, and it's like navigating, mm -hmm. like. Yeah. All of that, no service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like for my rural clients to have um, either you either have Medi-Cal or some insurance that will pay for a helicopter ride mm -hmm. or you have Reach or CalSTAR because the thing is, is like probably not going to use it, you know, but hey, you know, your kid could fall and break their leg and you might use it later that year. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, farm equipment kills a lot of people every year. Yeah. You'll see everybody afraid getting on it, you know. Yeah. So, but I do think that, you know, if you were to have some sort of transport where you required a hospital transport in a helicopter, like the worst thing possible would be getting that, you know, $250,000 bill six months postpartum to like, there's nothing like that to trigger your trauma, you know, <laughs> like put the icing on the cake. So, and it's kind of like Murphy's law too. Like you have it, so you don't use it. Right, exactly. um, and um, so, I, and a landline, um, you either need to have crystal clear service or you need to have a landline yeah. or something like yeah. that. I mean, I am on call for other people too. So right. mm -hmm. there's that. Um, you know, water testing, um, people who live in areas where it's highly chlorinated water in towns, um, I ask them to have a filter, um, just like a little screw on filter on the house, you know, they're really cheap. You can get them on Amazon or wherever, a local hardware store and people who have well water, if they haven't tested it, or if they have some kind of weird piping or something like that, I ask them to do a water test if they want a water birth. Um, which is pretty affordable and easy. A lot of people do that in rural areas. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like some things like that. Um, I do charge, I do all of your postpartum visits in your home um, and no matter where you live. So that's, you know, in the first six weeks, that's six home visits, um, or actually I think it's more six or seven in the first week, six you, weeks. You spend a lot and of time then in the car. I spent a lot of time in the car. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy amount of time in the car. And I do charge a gas travel fee for that, mm -hmm. depending upon how far you are um, and what your road looks like. Mm -hmm. um, some people's roads have just thrashed my car. So, um, but it's reasonable and um, I definitely don't really turn people away for, I'm pretty, um, pretty good with trade and things like that. Um, I feel like I'm a big girl. I can make my own decisions. If I want to give somebody a reduced fee, then I do. Yeah. And I leave it at that. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of time in the car. Um, there's some considerations uh, for like when to call. Um, you know, moms who are on their fourth, fifth baby and they live two hours from me. It's like, I kind of end up, I end up there a little early, which, um, but I, you know, they have a farm usually and they have land. So I just visit with the animals and clean house and cook or play with the kids or, you know, until something, something something's going on <laughs> until they, you know, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I definitely, I, I don't, the driving is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, but, you know, once again, I think just being on the island and being around rural birth for so long, mm -hmm. um, 
it's not really when people ask me like well do you think that that's too far from the hospital what i say to them is do you think it's too yes, far that was what i was yeah. going to say if it seems like yeah. you know it's it's a two-way street like yeah. you need to have somebody that actually really wants to have a home birth right and is committed to right you know mm -hmm. it, it's crazy because there's not a labor and delivery like on the coast where we go um, right so a lot of people that maybe that wouldn't be their first choice, but they're considering it now because they don't want to make the drive themselves. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's that piece too that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or moms who literally had their last baby in two hours and they live two hours from the right. hospital. Exactly. It's like, how is yeah. that going to work? You yeah, know? Sure. So, um, and in that, you know, and, and I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting. I, um, yeah, it's really interesting. We only have one hospital here now that has labor and delivery. Um, oh, wow. It's only a level two NICU. So sometimes moms will start to get a little, um, you know, a few long labors days will go, you know, they're like, well, can, can we like, you know, can we go to my friend's house who lives closer? Or I'm like, sure. If you, yes, yeah. if that's what you want to do, if that's, what's going to help you, you know, get your baby out or feel safe or whatever, you know, like, sure. You know, um, I've had people like rent hotel. a place. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, real quick, I wanted to switch gears really um, from the rural midwifery to your trauma coaching. I just want to hear a little bit about mm. that before we yeah. close. So, you know, um, so there's birth trauma, um, which birth trauma can happen for many, many, many different reasons. So I break it into two sections. One is birth trauma and one is survivor's trauma. So a sexual assault um, or just, um, you know, emotional assault or like those kinds of things. But when I talk about survivor's trauma, it's usually something to do with sexual assault or survivors of sexual abuse. Um, and the processes are similar, yet a little different. Um, I have people who come to me who had birth trauma um, and now they want to have another baby. And so they want to process that before they get pregnant. I have people who find themselves pregnant and their trauma doesn't revisit them until they find themselves, you know, three, four months pregnant thinking about their birth. And so then we, they don't necessarily have to have a home birth with me. In fact, it works really well if there's somebody else's yeah. patient or client. Um, because there's that removal, right? And so it's like, we're doing this work, just like if you have somebody who has, you know, marital issues and it's affecting their pregnancy, labor and birth, you know, hopefully they're going to get counseling from a marriage counselor, right? So there's that birth trauma work. Then there's the survivor's work, um, which sometimes people come in during pregnancy. Sometimes they come in um, before they're pregnant sometimes they come in after they're pregnant. Most, most of those people come in, um, most survivors come in um, after they've had their baby. Mm. Um, and so there's some postpartum stuff going on. Um, so, and, and, then it, and then it comes up and sometimes, um, you know, nobody knows. Yeah. Like, no, nobody knows. And so, so yeah, that I, I do on a sliding scale. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I feel like, um, 
And then if people want me to be their doula, they want me to be there in the hospital with them as a doula. I do, I do do it through Zoom and, and Skype. So it's like sometimes, you know, I can't be there. But, you know, now with COVID, we're right. having people, you know, and so I can be there like on their phone. They have their headphones in. I can mm -hmm. see what's going on in their room, you know. Um, and um, part of it too, now what I'm starting to get into is like, this whole thing of like teaching their birth team, right? Yeah. So it's like, so if if it's there, so once we get to a place where they wanna include, like this is my plan, these are my boundaries, these are my yeses, these are my noes. Um, so one, one thing about like survivor's trauma um, might be, or birth trauma might be um, people touching you without asking, right? Yeah. So this is a really basic one. We're all becoming more and more aware of this, right? So it's like, what are you going to say when somebody looks like they're going to touch you? So then it's like, there's this, they have this like rhythm, this like, okay, this is what I say. This is what I say whenever this fear comes up, this is what I say. And then teaching the birth trauma, like, okay, so do you want to include your birth team into that? Mm -hmm. um, or including the partner or the doula, if it's a hospital-based birth. Um, these are, and we have a meeting about that and a team meeting about that. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a longer pro it's long process, but it's like, you know, people who are having hospital births, you know, um, we talk about shift changes. We talk yeah, about, I mean, yeah. machines, um, doors closing, where do you want the bed facing? Like what, everybody is unique in what their triggers are. Um, yeah, so for some people for birth trauma, like they had this traumatic birth, it's process. It's a lot of that is processing. Um, and then um, making a plan and supporting that plan to have like the optimal outcome to avoid, avoid that, yeah. avoid those triggers. Um, so it's a lot of, um, I find that I, um, I think I'm kind of, kind of made for that. I, I don't have a hard time asking difficult questions, mm -hmm. but also being I know that sensitive, <laughs> <laughs> but also being like sensitive in the wording and the tone and yeah. the inflection of the voice and all of those different things. Yeah. You can so. hear it just sounds like your hard work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, to hear that they had, you know, I did it. I had this birth and it went this way and I was able, you know, and even sometimes, especially for the survivors um, or the birth trauma where they feel victimized in their birth. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of it comes from being victim and people have experienced that in so many different ways and it comes out. And so, just hearing them on the other side saying, well, my birth didn't go exactly how I wanted it to, but I was able to say no mm -hmm. and people listened to me. Yes. And that is like, awesome. I mean, I have full body chills, just like full body chills from that, you know? Yes. And I'm like, good. Cause then that person can like move forward. Right. In their life. Um, yeah, cause it's not about controlling the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And even like, I, I had a call recently from somebody who, um, is part of the trans, um, community, trans queer community. Mm -hmm. And they're anticipating that they will be treated in a certain way at the hospital. Yeah. 
And so um, reaching out and just being like, okay, so how can we develop this plan? What, what should I expect as part of my hospital birth? And what should I, you know, um, how can I, you know, get people to say chest feeding or where can I find my place of power? So, um, which I was like, good for you, you know, like I just felt like, Good for you for reaching versus, out before. Wanting to heal from the trauma, you yes. know, preparing yourself and empowering I mean, yes, yourself. Yes, it's, it's so shitty that that where people have to like go into it knowing shitty. that that's gonna happen. Yeah, and, like I know I have to advocate for myself. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and black and brown people too. You know, it's kind of the, it's the same thing, and it's like. You know, it's, it's, I have seen that my black and brown clients, if we transport are treated differently, they, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, you know, same nurse that I saw last couple weeks or something totally different. And it's like, Hey, why are you not offering her the things that you offered my last client, you know, like in the hallway, you know, like, Hey, can we talk about this? Like, Um, I, I don't see you offering these, these same things like, why would you, yeah, I try to hold people accountable. It's kind of a thing for me. I mean, I want to be held accountable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, you know, it helps me grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, it was so great chatting with you. You too. Yeah. We're lucky to have it's you fun. in the community. So oh, lucky. thank you. Yeah. So we have a That's couple. Sweet. It's like it's crazy to, to go from like that topic <laughs> to like we have some funny questions. Our ending questions. But for time, we have sure. some questions that we ask. Um, do you want to go first? You're gonna go first. You can go first. Okay. So what is your um like unpopular opinion? I did this gonna be really good. Oh my gosh. She's like, I didn't know I have to pick one. (laughs) Yes, that is my exact thought. Like, (laughs) do I have to pick one? Which one? Can I can you pick a topic? Like which topic you wanna pick? Um, Any topic in your life. Just like an uncomfortable. Like what was the first thing that popped in your head that you know you have this opinion everyone's like, hmm. Everybody's like, really? That's what you that's what you think. Um well, <laughs> um, well, okay. Um, I have this opinion that um, there is a movement of white women who are trying to bring like traditional birth back. And I don't think that that's their place. They're not traditional midwives. Like, when I say that I practiced like somewhat traditional midwifery, that's why I say somewhat is because I'm a white privileged woman in the United States of America. Um, there, you know, the keepers of traditional birth are the granny midwives and the, that lineage. And then women of color in places like India, Bangladesh, Peru, Guatemala, you know, um, Mexico, like, those are the women and we should be giving our voices to them and not creating a sub factor and charging people for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe that that is just that whole push is um, self-righteous. And I think that it is um, going to do undue harm. And I, and I, and I don't think that that actually has anything to do with the free birth movement or unassisted movement. I think that that's completely different. Mm-hmm. Unassisted birth has been around forever. 
Yeah. I mean, forever. Um, and baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, baby, G, baby Jesus, right? You know? And um, yeah, so, and before baby Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure those cave women were like, okay, need a sister, but you know, maybe not. Um, so I just think like that, I just think that uh, white women need to stop looking at stuff. I understand why, like I get, get why. There's been over hospitalization, over medicalization of birth. So there is this movement to come away from that and to have a more natural setting. Um, I think the word authentic is way overused. And I think that it's overused in homeschooling. It's overused in birth. It's overused in marriage. It's over. It's just overused to the point to where it's like, okay, does anybody realize that everybody's idea of authenticity is different? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so I, that's, it's not a, it's not a pop, it's not a popular conversation. Um, but I'm a white woman and, you know, I'll be the first to say that I don't know shit about true traditional midwifery. I do know about what I do know is about home out of hospital birth in a natural setting with women driving their choices and supporting them in that choice and their choices, you know, like 25% of my clients don't do any ultrasounds. They don't do any lab tests, no vitamin K, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but I think that that whole movement of like, Oh, this is something that traditional, real traditional midwives do. We're going to learn about this. And then we're going to say that we're traditional midwives and we're going to try to teach everybody to be traditional midwives from that point of view, mm -hmm. I think is, um, I think it's wrong. And I think it's um, like a colonization kind of a, approach. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't like it. And I don't like people telling women how to have their babies. So any movement that That's does that. That's not unpopular here. <laughs> any, any, any movement that does that. Any movement that forces a woman to like, like if she wants testing, don't try to convince her not to have testing. Mm -hmm. Her intuition might be telling her yeah. that there's something about this baby or there's something about this birth or something like that. Yeah. So just let her have her testing, even if she didn't have it with any of her other babies, you know? And, you know, that does also stem from some personal experience. My ectopic pregnancy almost killed me and took a wig from my children. I chose to then, when I got pregnant, mm -hmm. have an early ultrasound, even though I did not want that. Yeah. I did not want that. And I know the research on that. Mm -hmm. However, I weighed my, you know, my options and then I We make I chose decisions that. based off of our experiences, you know? How can we not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's like... You know, definitely, you know, I, I have strong opinions about that, but I, um, white women are not traditional birth workers. Well, I have a question. If you could go back to your teenage self, maybe like very early teens, um, and give her any advice you could give her knowing what you know now, what would you say to her? Well, gosh, I would say learn patience sooner. <laughs> um, it's okay to tone it down a bit. You can still be strong mm -hmm. and forceful in your nature. Mm -hmm. And that, that <laughs> with a Capricorn rising, I'm always like, but I have a Capricorn rising. <laughs> um, and that, um, that all relationships heal with time, you know, 
healing doesn't mean that you're okay with what it is or what happened. Mm -hmm. It can just mean, at least for me, in my opinion, that, um, that you understand it. You understand like inside of you, what happened, how that happened, maybe why that happened, what you learned from that. It doesn't really have anything to do with the third or fourth party or whatever. It's all about like your journey and you can completely, you know, things can be healed and it just all washes out in yeah, time. It softens Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. hearing everybody's responses to that question because that was really beautiful. <laughs> I really just love you all from that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for yeah. joining us today. Oh, mm -hmm. you have another question. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. oh um, find me. Uh, they can find me in my car driving. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, so my website is Mountain Valley Midwifery. Um, and you can go there and fill out an online form about anything you want. Um, email me, uh, my phone number is 707-671-6281. And you can find me on Instagram, Lisa Rawson LM and Facebook Mountain Valley Midwifery. I don't accept friend requests for my personal page. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that all in the show notes so everyone can reach out. Oh, well, this is beautiful. And, and I love that we um, work in the same community. Kind of. So that we get to see Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It is nice. Great. Well, thank you again. Thank You're you. welcome. Had a good time. Thanks everybody for listening. You can find us at Born Wild Podcast on Instagram. For inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray, R-E-A, Sophia at sophiabirth.com, and me, Leah, at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, stay, stay wild. wild.